Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Okay, thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Malcolm DeLeo. He is the founder of Innovation Muse Consulting. He likes to think of himself, you know, some of an innovation Navy SEAL and has been doing this for over 20 years. Malcolm, thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. An innovation Navy SEAL. Now, that's such an interesting statement right there. How do you, how do you explain that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things about um, working innovation for t- over 20 years is um, number one, you have to understand what you're good at. And so my career is ducked and dive. So the reason I kind of centered on that is I'm happiest when I'm kind of working on the front end of things, particularly when it's chaotic. And so when you think about kind of like Navy SEALs or people, you know, in, in I always think about World War II of, you know, a Navy SEAL sitting on the beach. In fact, I had a friend whose father did this in World War II where he would land on the beach, figure out the terrain. And then when the army landed or the, you know, the Navy landed, he would guide them where to go. And then they'd send them to the next beach. So when it comes to innovation for most companies, you know, they want somebody who's willing to kind of trailblaze where there's a lot of ambiguity. There's not a lot of resources. And um, I really enjoy that kind of work, getting things start up, figuring out how they're scalable, how they're repeatable, putting the base concepts in place and then move on to the next thing you want me to build, right? As opposed to sticking around and just doing the same thing over and over day in and day out. Yeah, so you, made, of- you made that sound easy, but it is not easy at all. <laughs> uh, Malka, how did, you, how did you get into, you know, just innovation and business? And, you know, you've been doing this for over 20 years. So where are you, where are you originally from? Yeah, so I, originally from Philadelphia, I always like to joke, Kobe Bryant went to my high school. So I went to Laura Marion in Philadelphia. But um, I majored in chemistry in college. So I'm a chemist by training. I went to grad school for it. And um, it was really interesting um, when I, my first job was at Clorox and my first job was building prototypes for products. Uh, Learned a lot about um, innovating from my first boss, Maria, who really taught me how in a large organization, um, how to navigate a culture that's kind of, you know, fixed in how it does things to always trailblaze and do new things. And I realized very soon after getting out of grad school, I didn't like being in a lab anymore. And I transitioned into a group that actually when open innovation was first coming past in the late 90s, we built a lot of partnership capabilities on how to bring innovation from the outside of the company in, the processes around that, learn how to negotiate deals for licensing. So that was a really uh, imp- important part of my education corporate-wise, mm-hmm. how to be a great facilitator and, and more importantly, how to innovate from the, from the, you know, how to innovate without budget, people, or authority. To be a great innovator, it's really learning how to innovate in space. Um, I was yeah. there for about 10 years, built a lot of processes, and then became global VP of innovation at a company. And my job there was to change the culture to build a virtual team. So again, no, no budget, no people, not a lot of authority. That's perfect. You have a lot of experience. In 2020, you have to have virtual teams. So. <laughs> exactly. And then when I left that job, I went into Silicon Valley to kind of learn the other side, got out of big companies, and learned how to become a seller and help CEOs envision where their products wanted to go 
and to build repeatable, scalable use cases back to the companies that I used to work for. So that's I kind of have this really nice balance between large and small. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, and then you, so innovation consulting, like, you know, right now, I guess you've went through all those experiences and you identify different companies that need those innovation pieces and then you work with them on a consulting basis. Correct. And actually it's kind of funny. One of my principles with my consulting life has been very interesting. Um, I kind of uh, see business as you put relationship before the business and that's really been helpful. A lot of the gigs I'm getting are people that I've worked with from the past calling me for their help. And, and kind of working my way in. Um, the main thing I've been focusing on in my consultancy since I kind of had to start doing it um, around October when I left my last job um, is really around, I've been working with a lot of pre-Series A companies where they want a kind of a first salesperson, but they can't afford a full-time person. Mm-hmm. And my pitch to them has been, you know, you know, either you're hiring a big game hunter who doesn't want to get their hands dirty where you're hiring a coin-operated salesperson as your first salesperson who doesn't bring strategy, I like yeah. to think of myself as being willing to do both. Yeah. Dig in, figure out how to sell, what are the use cases, what's the strategic sales message, how, to, how do we you know, develop the product and really help them with the quest either to drive sales and or raise money for their, for, for their first round. Okay. So, so let's say, you know, for one of my companies, you know, you would come in and determine all those processes and help train and consult, you know, my team to be able to execute whatever, you know, we're trying to go for. Yeah. And and the way I like to think of it, there's like a couple of really important things as a CEO. The first one is kind of like having a, it sounds silly, but like what, and it's, I wrote about it. It's like, what's your true north? Most important question ACNO needs to say is like, where are you trying to get to? Because if you can't, and there's a short term, like I want to raise money, I want to get this much business. But a long-term true north is really like, I envision our companies doing X, Y, and Z. The second question is, what's your exit strategy? I think it's one of the important, most important things I've learned from working with CEOs. Um, in fact, to me, the, the clear answer is, I'm going to build a billion-dollar business. It's actually, I'm going to build a strong business, but if an opportunity comes to get out under these circumstances or those circumstances, or maybe we'll get really big, I want to see a CEO who's really thinking holistically about what their real opportunity is because it shows, you know, number three, like how to build a solid culture so that once you kind of understand those cultural tenants, you can then go out and start to figure out with the team, how do they like to work? What are the potential um, opportunities to sell? And then also from working in sales for 10 years, leveraging your network. The first stage in a small company is going to be relationship-based selling, tapping your network to bring people to the table to do two things. One, learn, you know, what do people think about the product? Number two, um, what's the product market fit? And number three, what are the use cases that you can look at from a number of different conversations to begin to experiment how to put pricing together, how to actually close your first deal, you know, then how you build your customer success function. So it's kind of like, it's a very chemist-based way of doing it. We have a hypothesis. You can build the business this way. Go test that. And then be comfortable of readjusting and readjusting until you get a more solid message. Yeah, it's it's just like a natural progression in business, right? You, I mean, to be able to go in and analyze it in that kind of way, and then at the end, you know, create the impact that you really want is powerful. So you work with startups and you work with more experienced CEOs like you work with across the board, correct? Yeah, I mean, my network is pretty deep. And I mean, it's funny, I don't have a huge Silicon Valley venture capital network. My network has been more with all the companies I've sold to, whether it's in the QSR industry, in the CPG industry, just people I've met along the way. And like I said, I value relationship very much. I think Mm -hmm. um, good relationships 
allow people to believe in you and and make sure that you manage your expectations when you work with them allows you to go back again and again so when you have a new opportunity figure out how to apply it where you want to so you can call the right people say hey I need some feedback it's the first step towards you know building that for sure yeah relationships do really make that dream work and people say teamwork but it's like all of those things it's all those things combined you know do you have to to even get the team sometimes you have to get the funding to get the funding you have to get the out to other relationship to be able to get the funding so you can get the team Right. So, like all these things kind of, kind of, kind of work in really well. Totally. Together. Um, so was, it, so you, are you working with, with companies on, you're doing like some kind of equity share with a company and then you're, you help building them and you're kind of like a strategic partner in there and you're consulting, or is it just like on a monthly basis that they're like retaining you? So this is an interesting question. So what I have found works best for everybody. There's a couple principles I have. Um, if I advise people, I tend to actually a lot of cases, sometimes I won't take money right away or demand it. And there's a reason for that. It's not just because I want to show my value. It's also, is it a good fit? And, and, it, and it's actually a really good uh, way to go about consulting sometimes to invest a little bit of your own time before you start putting your hand out because um, it gives you the freedom to say, like, I don't know if I have time for this or I'd rather or maybe this some, isn't the right relationship. This isn't know? the right relationship, whatever. So that's the first thing. Um, the, the second thing is I, I have a lot of people that want to put you kind of in a lead gen deal. You know, where they're going to, hey, if you we get sales, we'll give it to you. Actually, I've stopped doing that. I tell people pretty clearly, look, you need to buy some of my time, whether it's a few hours a week. I try to sell my days per week. So at any given time, I have five or six days to give. I have a, a, a price I charge for the, you know, the whole month, like a retainer for a day of time. Um, and that way, um, you kind of are really part of the team. Mm-hmm. It also shows their commitment but also allows you to fractionate yourself. So if you're with a really small company, they're not, they're getting the experience they want from you, but they don't have to bite off the full cost of hiring you full time. And yeah. that tends to work pretty well. And it's funny at first, you know, I did a couple of lead gen deals and they never work out because when somebody starts to pay you, you don't pay attention to it anymore. So it's yeah. really either do I advise for equity or do you pay me, give me a bonus for sales and even perhaps equity as well. But that's typically what I would prefer to do. Cool. So has there been some companies that through the process you've acquired equity in, and then that's like one of the revenue streams that you've been able to develop? (laughs) That's the dream, right? Um, I would say part of my value proposition has always been to diversify my portfolio of ownerships. I probably have ownership in four or five companies over the years from the ones I've worked at to the ones I've advised. Um, Have any of them blasted off? Not yet. My hypothesis though is if you get 20 pieces of a, you know, a percentage or a half a percent or whatever, one of them eventually will go somewhere. So that's what they also, that's all the VCs say. They like, they basically, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, you're just, you're just kind of throwing, throwing fish lines and hopefully you snag, you know, a yeah. big fish, you know, if you, if you throw in 20 lines and yeah, and, and it's funny. I had a CEO once tell me though, he's like, listen, the difference between making a ton of money in startups and not is luck. And he said, you know, you have to enjoy the work. And you know, one way to enjoy the work is to, to not think of it that way. I also had another colleague who a few times said, I never think about equity. And then one day he's like, oh, my company from 12 years ago got bought and I, you know, he made $200,000 or something. So, you know, I, you know, you try to make a living doing it and you, I think it's the love of, of, of doing what you're doing. Right. Right. And, and if it happens, it happens and you try to put yourself in good positions and when it does, it does. But I, I try not to lose sleep anymore. You know, now that I'm 21, I'm totally lying. But uh, <laughs> as, you, as you go through, yeah, the mind theory, of a 21 year old—that's all that matters. I try. I try. You, uh, you you try to let go of that so that you know it doesn't keep you up at night. Because we all have our dark moments working in startups that are hard, but you can't let it rule who you are. 
Yeah, no, that's really great advice. And, you know, I think that's a really, you're putting yourself in a great position too, just as a consultant for business innovation and growth, you know, you can just advise companies be, you know, close knit with the CEO of that company. So that mm-hmm. way, you know, if you provide enough value and you provide enough growth, you know, maybe there is that opportunity to be able to get, you know, the equity portion and, and live that dream. But and a lot of times, you know, it's not even necessary. You know, like you said, if you just love business, you just love the direction that you're going to go, you love helping these people. And, you know, if you make some money on the way, fantastic. I've always had this mentality when I, when I'm going into business, I want to love what I'm going, what I'm doing, what, what impact it is, you know, how it's serving people, the process of building it. I love that portion. And, you know, if it doesn't make money, like it's fine. You know, it's like, it's like you do a lot of things that don't make money and you still enjoy it. So why can't it, you could just be like business. Right. Yeah. I was talking to my, one of my best friends from when I was a kid today and he has his own business and um, you know, in the pandemic, he's been kind of spun up a virtual product for what he does. And he kind of, it's funny. I'm talking about this. He, what I really love what he said is, you know, I've done 70 engagements and some of them maybe have been for free, but he's choosing to look at it as, I'm keeping busy in the pandemic. I'm doing something I like and I'm having success, you know, bringing fun to people, which is kind of what his business is. I'm less worried about the money. It'll come. And yeah. and that's really the right approach. It's hard to have sometimes, you know, we got to keep things running, but I, you know, if, if you're true to who you are, you're true to what you're good at and you do a good job and take pride in it, usually things fall into place over time. Just how you have to look at it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so the kind of one of the last things we like to talk about in the podcast is just the pandemic specifically and how you've been able to help business. I mean, right now, I think the time to innovate, the time to change and adapt is, you know, more important than ever with everything that's going on. So how have you helped companies um, or any of the, uh, you know, equity share companies that you, you're in, have you helped them pivot and change and adapt during this time? Yeah, I think one of the most interesting part is um, you're right. You know, you have to keep moving forward no matter what. I think what I found in a lot of pre-series A startups, especially having that balance between selling the big company, being a salesperson, you know, learning to be a salesperson as an innovator, working with large companies, understanding how to penetrate their cultures and um, understanding a good bit of strategy. I think the biggest pivot is when a CEO starts a business, they usually have a singular minded focus and being able to come in and be a peer to that person and get them to take a step back and put your arm around them and say, which you can't do anymore, but put your arm around them. Yeah. <laughs> put your arm around them and really say to them. We can, like, we can make it happen virtually now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Take a step. You know, I think one of the things we really helped do is take a step back by looking at the business from 360 degrees. Is there a product market fit? How do you go to market? What's your hypothesis? And actually in all three cases, um, really help them rethink or focus what their message was a little different from what they thought. And that's because I understood, well, what do you envision your business to be and say, how do we talk to a a consumer or a buyer about that business? So in all three cases, um, in the first case, I'm working with a MarTech platform that's working with user-generated content called Entribe, founded by a former GoPro VP, awesome product because it's really a CRM system for user-generated content. And that's something that he and I came up with together as a simple way to talk about the business. It's not that he was or wasn't talking about it. He was thinking about it the right way. He mm-hmm. absolutely has the background because he built that for the brand. But the opportunity to kind of focus the message and then begin to figure out how can that apply under which circumstances. Second one is a company called Salutech, which is actually in San Diego, and they have a three-dimensional panic button. And, you know, the CEO there, who's a good friend of mine, when he brought me in to work with him, you know, we sat together and said, 
we're very focused on this vertical, education. It's all about colleges. And when we took a look at it we, and took a step back, we're like, wait a minute. The execution is the same no matter where you do it, right? I need a silent button to let people know I need help three-dimensionally exactly where I am, whether that's in a hotel, in an old age home, you're a government official, you're a parent at a school. That's a really interesting one because the use case is slightly different, but the, the, the use case is slightly different across many verticals, but the mm-hmm. execution is, the same. is identical. Yeah. Right. So that, again, it's suddenly a business focus in one area also coupled with how do you sell to all those different verticals helped us reprioritize where we could bring the most value, the fastest to help get its funded. And then the third one, um, is a company that has a very big vision called Nano Global that, that frankly has a, a, a premium hand sanitizer product that I think is, you know, as a chemist, it, it kind of is drawing on everything I ever did, right? Startup working in CPG like Clorox, um, really taking a step back to say, do we just want to push this product or we want to widen what products we make, how we go to market, what we do? They have a huge vision, but, you know, I'm working with my partner just on a small part of it around retail strategy and what's going to make the retail strategy best. That's helped reframe, you know, really help them think even more broadly from a tactical perspective. Strategically, the CEO has a brilliant long-term vision. Like I couldn't even touch it. He's, he's awesome. What we're trying to do is take that vision and bring it to today so we can start generating revenue in the near term and helping, you know, in some cases we've gone around the world on that one and said, you know, you know, filled in the gaps and are figuring out the best way to kind of, really make the business shine. Yeah, it's a super interesting kind of perspective. I mean, when you're dealing in with these CEOs that kind of, a lot of CEOs, are, their egos are super big, you know, like they're just, they, they, they know their stuff, you know, you know, they know all their facts. They're very creative, you know, they have, they wear many different hats. So to come in there and provide value um, is challenging. How do you, how do you normally do that with CEOs? Like, I mean, what is your kind of, is there, is there a certain strategy or kind of like a, a direction that you normally aim for? Yeah, again, I think I mentioned it earlier. I'm a huge believer in relationship first, business second. Right. And so my first thing is really to lay out, look, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. This is my expectation. So, you know, when I first started consulting, my first one was with N-Tribe and I adore, you know, I adore our CEO, Adam. He's awesome. Um, you know, he said, what are you going to do for me? And I explained what I explained to you. And we spent time talking about how we like to work a lot. And, and he, he understood my perspective. I'm, I'm not everybody's flavor, right? Innovative people who are like, I'm a little out there. Sometimes people call me the crazy uncle, which is fine. <laughs> but really taking the time to understand how to, um, how to work with people, who understand diversity and difference. So I ran, I ran diversity for one of the companies I worked for, and it was about diversity of thought. I have spent a lot of time in my career understanding how I like to create, produce, interact, and learn, and I am sit in a very small part of the world that does it really weird. I love to work with people that are very different than me. I thrive on it. So I think the first thing is finding a CEO that understands, look, I'm different than you. My job is to challenge you, and you, if they respect those differences, never have a problem. In the case of Adam, I love working with him. You know. He, he and I complement each other beautifully. At Salutech, the CEO, Jeff and I complement each other. I mean, we really are very different and we love to work together because we're so different. Yeah, and, that's, a, yeah. that's really great. That's really great advice. I mean, you, I've read about this online where when you're, when you're trying to identify, you know, uh, a business partner, an equity share partner, right? Someone like that, you want someone that complements you, that is different. 
you know, that is more that analytical mind. If one, one mind's more of a visionary, one person like dreams a lot and has big, big visions, big aspirations, you know, but can't really bring it down on the earth. You can bring it down on the earth and just be like, okay, here's our mapping plan. Here's our A to Z. Here's our numbers, all that stuff. Right. But, but it's also that there's, that's true. But the, the second step I would challenge you to take is do they respect and love the differences? A lot of people say they want differences, but when they come up, they don't deal with them. Number one. And number two, if you put relationship first, when you're having a real business problem, it makes it easier. So we're all, we're all big boys and girls. We can, you know, we can all say, look, I get it's just business. But if you have that, that personal relationship that you can build with somebody, you know, their heart's in the right place, right? So one of the best compliments I've gotten in the last 15 years, which I, I mean, I'm so honored to have gotten it from somebody is they told me that I'm one of the most agendaless people they've ever worked with. They said, you really have no agenda. I'm like, no, I mean, my agenda is pretty clear. I'm here to help you and I'm here to, you know, make money together and enjoy what we do at the same time. But like, if you're honest and you're straightforward and people can trust you because they know that there's no hidden agenda, it makes it a lot easier to, to deal with things when they're tough because Mm -hmm. then it becomes, well, this isn't a malicious, it's not a malicious situation. It's just, we're doing things differently or you're frustrated or I'm frustrated. And if you have a relationship, you can talk it out. So it isn't just craving differences, it's loving them. And then beyond loving them, it's building a personal relationship. So when the challenges happen, you can talk it out and, and not get defensive. And if it's not going to work out, like I've left two jobs, the last two jobs I've left, it was tense a little, but it was kind of time to go. And we sat down and said, look, you know, I love you, but again, good relationship. It, I think it's time to go. Yeah, because you're not doing you're not doing what I wanted right now. It's like you know, let's talk about it. And and both times you leave with your relationship intact, you know, your pride intact, your ego in check, because you're saying sometimes things don't have to go forever, and they don't have to go they don't have to go the wrong way in an adversarial manner. Yeah, they ran so their course, and then yeah, yeah, and then then something else comes around the corner, and you know, exactly. ends up being even better. That's really really Absolutely. great. Well, um, so, so, uh, Malcolm, how do we, uh, how do we, or our guests get a hold of you if they, if they do want any kind of, uh, you know, consultation on, you know, there are people or a lot of our guests and our different entrepreneurs are creating new businesses or trying to innovate as fast sure. as possible to be able to keep ahead. Yeah. How do they get a hold of you? So that way they maybe can have that consultation call. Yeah. There's a couple of things you can do. Obviously you can uh, hit me on LinkedIn. I, I'm on there. I have two places, obviously me, Malcolm DeLeo. Um, you can also get to me through, um, I have a innovation muse kind of like business page uh, and you can just email me right now. I just use my personal email. I'm still kind of setting up all the infrastructure, but just Malcolm DeLeo at gmail.com. Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, you heard it. You know, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, go ahead yeah. and, uh, you know, reach out to him if you really are doing, I think just about anything. It sounds like you've worked with so many different companies and you have so many different strategies that you can help and you're really well-rounded. So, um, yeah, reach out to Malcolm if you guys have any, uh, have any interest in, in, uh, you know, or, or doing any new business builds. I know I am building multiple different companies right now, so I'm having a private conversation with him, but, uh, thanks so much for, for being on the <laughs> show, Malcolm. And, yep. uh, we'll hopefully have you on the show a little bit later this year. Anytime. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the iSmart podcast show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. 
If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.